Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. Visit our good friends and exclusive partners at Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. As the NFL season wraps up, you're going to want to check out the Dan Patrick Show for everything coming up. Dan and the Danettes provide the most up-to-date sports coverage every day of the week. Plus, Dan's got the biggest guests, the best commentary, and everything in between with a bit of fun on the side. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every day. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelzola, Sam Monson. Here we are. Off-season. Team building season. You're bringing all kinds of energy right now. Yeah, that was fake. I had, to, oh. I had to muster it up. It's late in the afternoon for us. How you doing? Actually, you know what is giving me energy? You what? struggling with your laptop right now. Yeah. Energy. It, we that. sat down. I plugged it in and the thing just went mental. That's yeah, great. It's starting to annoy me. Yeah. Like, I had the, the bad laptop for a while and you were laughing at me. Yeah. You laughed at me. You got mad at me. So here I am laughing at you. It's irritating me to the point where I might end up smashing it. That's that's good content. You think I'm excited for team building season. It's officially free agency and guys are going to get released and franchise tagged and traded. And then the draft is going to come up. I mean, this is the best time of year for future GM candidates like me. Yeah. Uh Right. Oh, speaking of that. Right. So we're going to tease something on the podcast. Um, The combine is coming up. Yeah. In Indy, as it is every year. It's moving, though. Right. Isn't that there's rumors. On, I think this is the last year officially right. in Indy. There's rumors about moving it to Vegas. It's like the last year they have it under contract, right? Really bad. Would it? I, I like my two hour trip to Indy. You know, you wouldn't like a trip to Vegas. No, not interested. Huh? You'd be kind of funny in Vegas. I think. No, not no? interested. Anyway, well, so I'll be funny in Vegas. We are funny everywhere, but in Vegas, I'll be funny in Indianapolis with what you're going to tease. Yeah. Yeah. So in Indianapolis, obviously everybody is gathering for the combine. Um, we are thinking about having a PFF NFL podcast live show, live show. So if you're planning on going to the combine or being in Indianapolis or in the vicinity, or would like to go to a live show featuring us, uh, let us know, let us know. Hashtag hashtag. Let us know. Uh, if you're interested in the PFF live show, I think it's going to, we have a lot of ideas. Yes. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I think it would be, uh, kind of funny is one of the things we were thinking of doing is, getting a legitimate um, NFL, either current or former 
you know, front office person uh, and you could, you could pitch your, your, you could have your job interview, you know, Steve, I'm going to be a future GM, yeah. you. So here is what my job in, what my job interview would look like. We can have them interview you, you give them your pitch and then, you know, he could give you some home truths about how completely far away <laughs> from getting that done you are. I think that'd be a great segment. I think, I think I'll impress. You think? Whoever it is. Okay. Well, when when they see your reinvented coverages, that will be pretty That was part of my defensive coordinator uh, interview process. I don't know if I'll bring that to the general manager table. I will bring a hashtag, though. We had hashtag, we're going to get better for the Jets GM job. We had Uh hashtag, how hard could it be for the Texans GM job? Neither one really worked, but I do think the hashtag is a big part of the pitch. The other thing that might be happening in Indy is this two on two basketball tournament. I wouldn't push that too far because I'm just saying might steps be. away might be. There's We're steps. still working on that. Um, and even if we get that done, I doubt it's a spectator sport. Also, we've suffered our first casualty. Yeah. Eric so what happened, I forgot to ask him how bad is Eric's calf? I mean, it's bad enough that he can't move. Really? He's sitting on the cat. I had to drive over to the Y and collect him. Really? That's <laughs> bad. Wow. So that's not good. No, he well, might be out for the uh, tournament. It doesn't affect our team, but George and Eric's just suffered a fairly significant blow. Yeah, George, George's one, George is one man show anyway. Oh, okay, do it himself. Hmm. Yeah, so live show in Indy. Let us know uh, how interested you are. If you're in and around the area, I think a lot of fans from Cleveland, from Cincinnati. There's a lot of fans that venture over to Indianapolis for the weekend. So I think we're thinking either Thursday, Friday night, one of those nights, getting together. And it's not just us. It's kind of a PFF overall show so we'll have you know maybe mike renner with some draft takes with some other uh you know maybe sam teaches us rugby i mean there's all sorts of different things let us know what you might want to see too we want to bring all the things that our millions of fans love about the podcast to a live show environment in indianapolis and almost certainly going to be in a brewery or a bar of some kind so you know the more drunk you are the better it'll Eat, seem. drink and be merry pff nfl podcast in yeah. indianapolis yeah, that could be great. Good news. My laptop seems to be working again. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm yeah. glad you're back. Good. All right. So on today's show, um, it's off-season time, which means there's all sorts of lists and rankings and great stuff. So the PFF 101 is out this week. The mm-hmm. best 101 players, regardless of position in the NFL, all at PFF.com. You wrote those 11,000 words. Good job, Sam. I helped with the list. Yeah. You wrote the words. Great job. And then we're talking a little bit more draft. We did some film grinding this week on the wide receiver class. So we'll get into some of the top wide receivers in the draft in just a little bit. You want to go through the one one Yeah. All right. I explain mean, not, the process. Not one to one one because that's Mike Renner's job. We're going to read them. Reading lists. Let's get Mike in here to just read it for the, for the really folks here. Really fast. Didn't yeah. he do that one year? Like he read like a I full. I think we brought him in to read a list. He read like a full yeah. long list of something. Just like we used to bring Nathan in to do one stat and then we'd hang up on him <laughs> over Skype. It was a great. It was our <laughs> highest rated segment. The people tuned in just for that segment. <laughs> Nathan's mind blowing stat of the week. Yeah. Rest in peace. The segment, not Nathan. Right. Nathan's alive. Yeah. He's, he works upstairs. What did you do? But the segment has no longer. Okay. You know. So the, so the 101, you're going to read it or just explain the process? I'm, I'm not going to read okay, it. Okay. Go. So it is the best 101 players, the best 101 seasons of the NFL year that just was. So 2019 in this case. Yeah. The key differences from other things. One, it factors in the postseason, right? So we put out our awards at the end of the season, like the, the AP, our awards are just regular season awards. You know, the AP, the, 
guys vote for MVP in like week 16 or whatever it is, right? Um, our awards are regular season only, but the one-on-one factors in postseason appearances. So certain guys are going to go up, certain guys are going to go down based on how they did in the playoffs. A couple like, of Chiefs in particular shot their way up the list because they had fantastic postseasons. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. I mean, we had the Mahomes, list ready to go even Mitchell before Schwartz. the Super Bowl, and then Nick Bosa improved his right. his slotting. Um, and conversely, a few guys went down because they got they had bad postseasons. They they're level of play dipped ryan Tannehill, for example um so that's one key difference the other thing is it's not about value it's an all positions created equal kind of ethos right so in theory a right guard or a left guard has just as much chance of being in the top few as a quarterback despite the fact that they're clearly not as valuable and and here and, and we always joke well not fullbacks or kickers and it's because Snap count matters as well. Yes. So a fullback that plays 300 snaps or a kicker who's out there 50 times right. during a season, obviously not going to be a part. And of the snap count thing is tricky. You know, you and I went back and forth on this a bit because there's different ways of getting to that, right? There's guys that missed five games of the season. Right. And then there's other guys who didn't miss any games, but don't play every snap. They're you know, role they, players. Yeah, they're, they're rotation guys or they, they get spelled a lot. So they end up with a similar kind of snap count. But it's not the same because they played every game. So how you kind of parse that is interesting as well and a little bit subjective, to be sure. So the full list is over at PFF.com. You want to start at the bottom of the list and highlight some interesting names? We'll work up okay. to number one. So at the bottom of the list, in the 90s and up at the at the 101. Why, why do we do 101, by the way? Uh, because the NFL did a top 100 list and we want it to be one better. I think so. Khaled tells the story that he was also doing a 100 and he just forgot somebody one year and he just tacked it on, made it a 101 and it stuck. Yeah, I think there was definitely there was some part of that. But I think we also deliberately wanted to make it make it one better different branding. Yeah. Do you want to also just rehash the Marcel Reese story? A few uh, people know the history here because we've got some diehard fans who have been with us for many, many years who know the Marcel Reese 101 story. But this is, it was like one of the darkest days in PFF history. So we used to have a core group. The the 101 is one of the most important pieces of content that PFF does, right? It's our big sort of flagship end of the season recap. Here is our definitive list of everything. And we want it to be as good and as right as humanly possible. So we used to get all of the sort of senior analysts get together after the season had finished and dedicate the better part of a day arguing through this list also it was the only people working for the company at the time correct the four of us yeah um and this argument would go on a long long time and we would work all our way through this list and the things that we talked about like how much do you weigh playing time how much do you weigh you know facet which facet you're great at all this kind of stuff all those kind of things with there's certain people that die on those hills individually and we would have to try and, you know, come to some kind of consensus. Marcel Reese caused what was the largest blow up and disagreement of any one on one discussion in the company's history. You and Ben were for Marcel. Yes. So Khaled and I, I think we're against him. And Khaled has been a very big snap count guy. Yes. Through the years. Like he wants to see if you don't have 700 snaps, like don't even show up. Right. Right. You're not good making the list. So he he even hated like a Brandon Meebane was like a two down nose tackle who was awesome against the run. He didn't even want him on the list at 500 snaps, whatever right. it was. So he was very anti small sample size guys. Marcel Reese was like 350 snaps of great play and versatility. But, you know, 
Small sample. Yeah. And it caused a big enough argument. It caused a big enough argument that somebody flounced out of the conversation entirely. Just stormed off and quit. If you could slam the the phone down over a Skype call, that's what happened. Yeah. So the uh, the Marcel Reese incident of like 2012 or whatever it was. It's a it's an interesting discussion when I become the voice of reason and moderation. Somebody else was the guy that went uh, over the top and stormed off and off. Kay and Ben were screaming at each other. Yeah. Very loudly. Yeah. Very loudly. And yeah, we were all working all across the, the world and we were on a Skype call and then boom, the call ended. Yeah. We used to have to call Neil. That was the other thing. We used to call Neil in to moderate. And Reese made the list, right? We got I think him ultimately on? he did. Yeah. Yeah, we went behind Kay's back and so we went. Sorry, Colin. Anyway, yeah, that was uh it was intense. Intense time back there. But again, I think it just shows how much time and effort we put into these things and how much we really care. It is not just simply stacking the overall grades because you know, the people that say, Hey, PFF, you guys have no context. You just throw a grade out there. It's like, all we care about is context. I want to know where this grade came from, who it came against. Was it all in one game versus 16 games? Like how was this grade constructed? It's all important stuff. So all that said, any guys in that bottom 11 that stand out to you as either surprises or just interesting players in this list? Well, the other thing that's interesting is um, it's not necessarily it's kind of like, you know, the Pro Bowl where it's how many players did each team get? It doesn't necessarily indicate how good that team was. You can have a bad team that has quite a lot of individual standout performances and conversely you can have a really good team who actually doesn't have that many great players uh, but had a lot of guys playing well or the coaching overachieved essentially so there are three teams that tied for the lead in terms of the most representatives most players on this list the philadelphia eagles the new orleans saints and the tennessee titans they had how many players seven wow so those three teams had seven which i think is the most though i haven't got this ordered I mean, the Titans, I'm just looking, they just had three in the bottom 11, right? They snuck a few in there. Yeah, and then like. there were four teams that didn't have anybody on the list. Oh, the teams we hate the most. Who yeah. are the teams we hate the most, Sam? Who who do we hate? So we really lend into the narrative this time. Um, we hate the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. No, definitely no players. Hate the Lions. Yep. We hate the For New York Giants. Always hate the, yeah, no players. the Giants. Big bias against the Giants. We hate the Buffalo Bills. Oh, no hashtag Bills Mafia. That one's going to piss By the way, so every now and again... You know, you put a tweet out there and I'll read your tweet and then I go read the comments, right? When I see the comments, there's inevitably one, two, three, ten negative comments. And I click on the guy that did it, that gave it, that says how much we're terrible. Yeah. And it's always hashtag Bill's Mafia in there. Like, yeah, I think you muted all those folks a while ago. But man, you uh, I don't see a lot of those comments anymore. You really riled them up. Miami Dolphins are the fourth. And the Dolphins are the fourth team. It's it. So if you want to, you know, argue about PFF's accuracy, that's fair enough. If you want to accuse us of bias, which is what a lot of people do, I think bias is one of those words that seems to have just become the thing people latch onto as if it's like an argument winner. Well, your guys are you, you, your your guys are biased, right? Do you know how much effort it's it like, would take to be biased? Well, it's like, do you even know what that means? Like, it's not just you're wrong. Like what you're actually accusing of uh, us of is being wrong. Not like bias is a specific thing. But if we not, were truly biased, we would have to inform 500 well not 500 people because about 80 people 70 or 80 people are actually grading right. games and then you know a few you know, lower than that just at the nfl level there's like a lot of work that would have to go in yes that. but the other thing is the guy accusing you of being biased is the one with the hashtag bills mafia and the josh allen avatar oh and he's it's like okay he's straight down the middle he's seen it clearly of the two of us right us who works with all 32 nfl teams and has a vested interest in not skewing in one particular direction 
or you who has a Josh Allen avatar, hashtag Bills Mafia, and identify specifically with the Buffalo Bills in your bio. He's just as a human being completely unbiased. Which one of the two of us do you think is more likely to be biased in this situation? They're seeing it clearly. I would suggest it's you, <laughs> not us. So all that said, uh, guys in this uh, in the 90s. Okay. That stand out to you, Sam. Uh, Josh, Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Raiders, is one where he didn't have a ton of snaps, so we were almost right. like pushing him aside to a point. But the number three overall grade, I think, among running backs, and Two he was fantastic. Three, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was right up there. And um, again, all positions being equal for what he did yes. this year for the Raiders, um, I think even to the point, here's what he did. Raiders fans were angry at us for not ranking their offensive line a little bit higher right. at this year uh, earlier in the year, and it's because Josh Jacobs was so good at creating after contact. He was making the line look good, at least to the perception of Raiders fans. Yeah, he led the NFL in broken tackles. He had something like three and a half yards per carry after contact. That yeah, was again decent. right up there at the top. Um, his grade says you should be a lot higher on this list. But as you say, playing time is important. And he missed a lot of playing time. By the way, the other thing that's amazing about his season is he did it for a period of time with a, an injured shoulder, with like a separate yeah, shoulder right. or something, right. right? Or a broken shoulder when he did eventually shut him down. But the point is he missed a lot of time and total of 496 snaps. You're like, ah, like the, most people on this list have played like a thousand snaps. And the funny thing about all that is, is he was pretty much a role player at Bama his entire career and always looked good when he was out there, always created after contact, always made guys miss. I mean, this was the most, the biggest workhorse type of year he's had after being more of a, a role player at Alabama after all that. Well, the other interesting thing is he was, so he was incredible as a ball carrier, but really didn't do that much as a receiver. And one of the things that I thought was most impressive about him coming out as a prospect was how incredibly natural he was as a receiving option. Like they were splitting him out and using him as a wide out and he right. was running right wide out routes and making wide out kind of plays in terms of catching the ball. And he really wasn't a factor in, in that in his rookie year. So I would think that, you know, the the up the, the potential is still there for him to be even better as a, in year two or three. Two Colts round out the list, Darius Leonard and Justin Houston. Uh, Houston, another guy, graded extremely well, but on a slightly lower sample. Darius Leonard had a slow start, but ended up uh, finishing strong for the Colts at linebacker. Two, two really good years for him. We break in with some breaking news. Hashtag breaking news. Yeah. Break. Eric Weddle is hanging him up. He's retiring. Eric, what? where's the breaking news sound? Uh, we don't have one yet. Maybe we're going to have there. one in post-production. Breaking news. But Eric Weddle to retire. Huh? Eric Weddle ends his career as a six-time selection on the PFF 101 Look at list. You with the, with I got a tally and everything. He didn't make it this year, though, right? He did not make it this year, but he did. He That's why he retired. It. Yes. He has made it six times in his NFL career, which is one of the most. There's. Let me count that. One, two. Weddle's up there. Yeah. And my favorite thing about Weddle... Tied 16th for the most That's great. most appearances. So there you go. Eric Weddle, we got his whole career graded. I, you know, I do. We, we have enough data now that most of the guys that retire. Right. It's really fun. We yeah, actually have like their whole data sets on people. I it was 07 his first year. We went back and we graded 07 a few years ago. And there he is playing in the slot. I mean, he's and that's what he did a lot in college. Weddle is one of those guys who just excelled everywhere. He was a good deep safety. He was a good box safety, good tackler, blitzer, coverage run. I mean, he really did uh, everything really well. And there was a point where I think we debated a lot about Eric Weddle versus Earl Thomas, two guys playing different roles. Earl, really more of that traditional pure center field safety, but 
we had to match. We had to compare Thomas being an exceptional center fielder versus Weddle's versatility and what he always brought to the table with whatever defense he was playing for. Yeah, he was sort of the precursor to Harrison Smith in terms of being the do-it-all yeah. safety, the guy that can play single high, in the box, split safety look. He can play in any defensive scheme and make it all work by being able to play in any of those roles and do them well. Um, he did that for years, and then Harrison Smith has been the guy to come along after that and do the same kind of thing. Both fantastic safeties, and yeah, he's had a great career. Through his career, one, two, three grades above 90, another three, four, above five at 80 plus, dating back to uh, 2007. So, And it's, pretty, it's not easy to be consistently really good at safety in terms of grading because they're so dependent on other players you know the offense where the ball goes how much they're attacked all that kind of thing it can be hard for safeties to consistently grade well and he's been able to consistently grade really well throughout his career yeah so if you guys if you guys have uh, premium stats 2.0 all part of your pff elite package you can check it out the full grading breakdown on weddle this past year was his lowest grade yeah. of his career he had shown he had been showing signs of slowing down uh, the last few seasons so so there you go. Do we pour one out for Weddle? Same way we did Joe Thomas. We have nothing to. No, we got nothing to pour out. Just to. Plus, he's not really a Hall of Famer or anything like that, right? So. Not the way Joe Thomas was, anyway. Not the way Joe Thomas was. All right. So, good job. Breaking news Eric Weddle to retire. Where else you want to go on this list? Any other names that, that stood out to you? Uh, so, a few rookies made the list. That is always kind of interesting. We talked about Josh Jacobs already. Uh, who else made the list in terms of rookies? AJ Brown uh, was the next one. Tennessee Titans all the way up at seventy-eight. Uh, another, a lot of Titans in that back. You know, yeah, Titans had a lot of so. guys that graded re- re- very well, but not quite elite across the board. Jack Conklin and Dory Jackson, I think, right? Taylor Lewan. Terry McLaren made the list. Another rookie wide receiver up at fifty-one. No Ben Jones. Uh, and then Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa climbed all the way to 28 on the basis of his absurd Super Bowl with a dozen total pressures. Yeah, he separated himself from a few of the other edges. It was, what, edge heavy? A lot of guys, you know, good, solid, strong years Mm -hmm. uh, at edge defender and receiver. There was a lot of decent seasons there. Yeah, a lot of of receivers, 13 of them, and a lot of edge rushers, 15 of them. Two of the guys we had to debate, so Ryan Tannehill and Drew Brees, uh, two of the top graded quarterbacks this year, but both guys, you know, missed a lot of time. Breeze missed five games with a thumb injury. Tannehill didn't start playing till week seven, but he did play two extra playoff games. So he wasn't we, necessarily good in them. We and he wasn't that help. great. Yeah. And Breeze was eh, in the playoffs as well. So we looked at the whole body of work with both of those guys. They end up at 61 and 62 Tannehill and then Breeze, uh, two guys who the grade might say, OK, they're top 10. Mm-hmm. But because of the injuries or just, you know, being a backup for seven games, uh, dropped them down. So that's kind of how we uh, parse that together. Yep. All right. Where are we going now? Uh, further up the list. Various names. Austin Eckler. Austin. At 43. Yeah. One of the most efficient running backs in the NFL. So he's another one that's really hard to, to work through because he had the highest receiving grade of any player at any position in the NFL outside of George Kittle. Um. He was an incredibly efficient runner. Like I think led the league in terms of yards after the catch per reception. Um, just was ridiculously good. Even when he carried a bit of a heavier workload while Mel- Melvin Gordon was holding out earlier in the season, he was really good doing that as well. 
But again, it's playing time, right? It's, he, is, he doesn't get given the same kind of workload than even these other top backs. So you have to ding him some degree for that. Uh, and that pulls him down as far as he was. But in terms of grade, his production was incredible. His efficiency was you know, insane. The two names right above him are interesting to me because you've got Carlos Dunlap at 42. The Bengals are terrible all season. They're picking number one overall. And here's Carlos Dunlap going out there every game. One of the best all-around edge defenders, career high, 89.7 grade, plays the run well. And then you go back and look again, Go if you have premium stats, you go back and look at his career and there's just so much green. Yeah. Green's good. And, you know, very impressive, quietly solid career for Dunlap. And this was his best season. Yeah, he's always been a good player, but it, it's insane that at this late stage of it and with the Bengals in such disarray, he was consistently really, really good this season. And I think had less help than he normally has. Like Geno Atkins wasn't anywhere near at his best this season. When you know His previous best season of his career was that 2012 year where Geno Atkins was just wrecking everybody inside. Right. So suddenly Carlos Dunlap is like one-on-one all, all season long because everybody has to try and help out against Geno inside who's just destroying people. This season that wasn't happening, so Dunlap was having to do all this by himself effectively and still surpass that, that 2012. And the guy right above him was Lyle Collins at 41. Again, just showing uh, we don't care about reputation, you know? So he's he was the better tackle this year versus, you know, Tyron Smith, who's a better uh, overall player year over year. But Lyle Collins was fantastic at right tackle. For the this Cowboys. was an incredible season for right tackle play. It was. All of the best tackles, almost all the best tackles were right tackles. You have... Lyle Collins, Mitchell Schwartz, Ryan Ramchek, Lane uh, Lane Johnson when he was before he got injured was right up there with those guys as the best. Just incredible performances from all of those tackles. The only guy on the left to really sort of hang with them was Ronnie Stanley with the Ravens who was, you know, the best pass blocking tackle in the NFL. Um but all of the top performances from tackles really were on the right side. The other the other thing I'll say um the it's not easier to play right tackle than left tackle in the NFL. Okay. Got to got to remind everybody that. I would say you flip that and say it's actually harder to play defensive right end than it is defensive left end because of how the NFL still kind of throws their best guy at left tackle. So change your mentality. If you're still in there in this whole right tackle is easier than left tackle, it's not. They're equally difficult, and because. The best pass protectors are still usually at left tackle overall. It's actually hard to rush off defensive right end. And if they were going to, if there should be an adjustment, it should be in that capacity rather than what's happening on the offense. Okay. All Luke, right. Luke Keekley at 40. Yeah. Another guy retired, mm-hmm. finished up strong. Keekley, I think, made the list every year of his career except his rookie season. Um, and his rookie season was still pretty good. Yeah. It's not as good as, as he then became. He then became essentially. As our, our uh, data scientist, BFF Moo, Timo. Moo, yeah. As he said, he basically became the 100th percentile for linebackers throughout That's his impressive. career. Um, he was absolutely incredible. And yeah, this season wasn't quite as good as he's been in years past, but still good enough to get himself pretty high on the uh, the top 101 list. You really ended up putting the Boses right next to each other, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Nick at 28, Joey at 29. We, there's nothing we hate worse during draft season than same school scouting or, you know, whatever, same position scouting or whatever. But the Boses, 
Their grades are almost identical through the years. They're the same. They have the same. They have the same move set. They have the same everything. And there they are at 28 and 29 on this list. Perhaps even more impressive that Nick is doing it as a rookie and Joey's in year four. That is true. Um, The other thing that somebody pointed out that I didn't even notice until he said it is at 32 and 33, we then went Jamal Adams followed by Devontae Adams. Oh, back-to-back Adams. Right. And they were like, oh, that makes this list look fake. Well, I mean, okay. I hadn't even noticed that before. Transparency here. We do that with positions a lot. A lot of times you have three wide receivers with near identical grades and you kind of start with this list and it's sorted by grade and then you maneuver them from there and it's like, oh boy, we've got you know, six wide receivers in the next eight. And sometimes that's just kind of how it falls. Yeah. And you don't want to put them all out there. I do this with draft with the draft. I did this with the draft board all the time where you kind of like want to split up a position, but then there's other times you kind of want to make the point. Like I don't have a dog in the fight here between the two guys, but yeah, we're certainly not like sorting alphabetically and then like forgetting to unsort them. Yeah. I, yeah, that made that we lost a lot of credibility by back back to back Adams back to back Adams is yeah mm. John Adams came in at 34 but we moved him down off okay. the list after a, a bad postseason run for him mm. John Quincy Adams also missed the list John Quincy but Jamal and Devonte Adams they made it Eric Armstead came in at 30 that was two away from Nick Bosa so a couple 49ers guys a couple of uh, right young ish. Uh, nose tackles that have had really good seasons and proved they're more than just two down run stuffers. DJ Reader and Javon Hargrave, who I think are both hitting free agency, right? Yeah. yeah so are. those guys both had career years. Actually, there's a lot of guys on here that had career contract years, which is always entertaining. But those two guys both had to step into bigger roles because of injuries to other people. They needed to sort of expand what they're doing. Look, we need you to be more than just a run stuffer on the first two downs. We actually, we've run out of pass rushers at this point. So Stefan Tuitt going down, opened the door for Hargrave to play more and show he could rush the passer. He did. Um, J.J. Watt and others missing on the Houston defensive line meant that D.J. Reader had to have a more expanded workload. And again, he showed he can be more than just a run stuffer, actually rush the passer to good effect. So those guys both made the list somewhere in the middle. Reader is 52. It's it's one of my favorite things of the list is because we can highlight players like that and be able to, to kind of pull those, pull those guys out. And we've had... Um, you know, many years of highlighting uh, the Chris Harris's yes. of the world. Were we supposed to, we were supposed to have a little, uh, we have a Chris Harris interview, which we may or may not be stitching into this podcast. Let's do it for Monday. Okay. We have a Chris Harris interview from the combine. We'll put it on Monday uh, because we'll talk a little free agency or various things on Monday morning. Cause we have no games to recap. So we'll have a Chris Harris. While we were interview. recording the Chris Harris interview, um, I, don't, I haven't heard what this oh, sounded I'm, like. There's no way it came across the headsets because these things tune out sound pretty well. But a lady tripped on something that was under slash out from the side of our table and bit the dirt hard, really hard. Like the whole like you were sitting so shook. The, the setup was like this, right? You were sitting to the right. I was sitting to the left. And Chris Harris was in the middle between us. Right, right over here. Right there. There was my like right. aisle. Woman walks by, trips, bam, hits the dirt. I felt the tremors over here. And, you know, it was like, oh, man, is she okay? Chris Harris immediately is looking to Tyler behind the camera asking if we got that on film. <laughs> yeah, right. And if we got like a, a Radio Row blooper reel. I didn't handle that well. I, I'm not really good at... Um, well, you were in a tough spot because you're like headset on. I, I'm doing a podcast. If I, I, yeah. How do I maneuver and help the lady to her feet and, you know... Rough, yeah, rough it's situation. one of those like the show must go on and you got to play through it and all that right. stuff. But 
Um, I think I just kind of panicked and froze up a little bit. Yeah. Didn't handle it well. I don't do breaking news that well. I don't do... Uh, <laughs> But she was okay. The they picked her up, dusted her off. She and then, You saw her walking around. Yeah, later. you guys went back to the house later. I texted you because I was doing, another, I was doing a, a radio hit, and she was like two desks that way, and she, she, was, good. she was up and running. She was still okay. Man, she hit the, she hit the ground hard. It had she to be like really hip, hard. Hip first. I mean, it was like, it shook. She bodied the ground. I mean, so, it, so you can see. You guys can let us know exactly how we handled it, because I don't, I don't know how that came through on film, if you could hear it, if you just... See how unprofessionally we acted after. I was also trying to calculate how much money Chris Harris was wearing in terms of jewelry. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like ice everywhere. Yeah, there'll be there'll like, be that's more. a lot of cash. We also we gave Chris Harris he I asked where he wanted to sign. This was after you left the interview, you had to leave early. Yeah. Hard out. And um he actually asked me where he should sign. Huh. So a little professional tease right there. How about that? Nice. Monday we'll have the Chris Harris interview. We'll you know preview a little bit of free agency, ten minutes of uh yeah, some good stuff. The point is with Chris Harris, he's an undrafted free agent who is just like a slot corner. Yeah. Right? Just a slot corner throughout his career. And before you know it, he's an 88 grade. He's a 90. He's a 91. And before you know it, it's like, hey, this guy grades well every single year. And we could bring to the forefronts just how well he'd played. That's what I love about the PFF 101. And, and it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just based off this year. So it's not, it's not name driven. Yes. I remember when we were putting together this top 10, when was the last time we didn't have Von Miller or Khalil Mack I in there. When was the last time they weren't like right next to each other yeah. in this thing? And when we do the PFF 50, we do the 50 going into the season during the off season, they'll be back. You know, they, you know, they've got a track record of success and all that stuff. But for this particular season, it was different. You don't have Vaughn Miller. You don't have Khalil Mack. It's, it's not name driven. Yes, that is a key thing. So the fact that some guy is one of the most talented players in the NFL doesn't matter if he didn't play well over 16 games or up to 21 games. Don't care. Right. He's not and, on the list. And there's a difference between here's what he did in 2019 and what he based off of 10 years of a track record or just the last three years or whatever right. it might be. Here's what he's going to do going forward mm-hmm. in 2020. Chris Harris is also a good example of a guy who basically played himself into a completely different role. Right. Starts off. He's just a slot corner. Plays so well at that. It's like, well, let's see if he can play outside as well, because then he's our starter. Um Does really well as a sort of split role where he plays the outside and base inside and slot. And then it's, well, he's so good at that. Let's just make him, you know, a, a pure outside corner because we've got a, a slot guy that we think can, can handle the third role. So he's sort of had a whole different spectrum of roles because he's played so well. Uh, do you want to head to the top of the list? Yeah, let's do it. All right. stood out to you. The Well, number one. First. Oh, the very top. Well, so, yes. George Kittle, um, he won our Stevenson Award that we give out to the best player, the most outstanding player at any position in the NFL, regardless of position. That's the key. George Kittle's grade this season was 94.6, which is nuts. Yeah, it's really like good. Anything, yeah, it's really good. anything approaching those mid-90s is crazy. And, you know, there were players that played more snaps than him. There were players that had more yardage than him. But when you look at a sort of per-snap efficiency basis, he was absolutely phenomenal. And plus the run block. Yes, the run blocking, which is ironically something that someone called him out for earlier in the season. But his run blocking, a lot like Rob Gronkowski. So the league is trended towards getting these matchup problems. And most of the time, they're matchup problems because they're really big and essentially too big for defensive backs to handle. Right. And it's like, well, what the hell do we cover these guys with? But Rob Gronkowski was a matchup problem because he was too big for defensive banks and too powerful 
for everyone else. Well, yeah, for everybody else. On so he could run block as an auxiliary offensive lineman, and he could like play as a wide receiver. So like, what the hell do you do with that? You know, right away when he comes out in the field, you're like, I don't know how we match up with that. And they can either split him out and use him as a receiver, or they can put him at the end of the line and cave down a defensive end. Either way, you've got problems. Kittle is exactly the same thing, right? They don't they don't use him as creatively or move him around as much as, say, the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey. But you can't cover him as a receiver, and he crushes people on the line of scrimmage. There's... You know, there's that play against the Falcons where he just buries a dude into the end zone. Now, he outweighed that guy by like 50 pounds, so you kind of expect it. But then he goes up against the Vikings in the uh, the playoffs, and he's wrecking like Everson Griffin on, you know, outside zone runs to his side. And Everson Griffin outweighs him by 30 pounds. So regardless of who you're asking him to block, George Kittle was absolutely destroying people. and was a huge part of that 49ers run game being so, so successful. Then you add in all the broken tackles, the big plays after the catch, the great uh, receptions, you know, winning that New Orleans game at the end, essentially with a couple of catches. Yeah, a little five-yard out turned into a massive gain. There. Right. He has been phenomenal this season. All right. Before we get into the rest of the guys, let's tell everybody about our friends over at Proper Cloth and what we're wearing right here, propercloth.com slash PFF. You guys can get $20 off your first shirt. And boy, do I highly suggest you do it because it's enhanced my wardrobe, Sam. I have a whole new slew of blue shirts. Yes. Different, different shades of blue. You're very big, different patterns. It's just where I'm naturally attracted to it. You are, you're attracted to different styles and collars and all that stuff, which is great. I'm attracted to shirts that fit first of all, which is great. Uh I don't look like an idiot as much. And I get some nice blue shirts. So propercloth.com slash PFF PFF 20 is the promo code for $20 off. It is. You are a great example of this because you know, most people, are probably vaguely close to the the peg, you know, the standard size, medium or whatever. Yeah. You, not even in the same ballpark. Not, not close. Like you need long, you need tall, you, but thin because you're not, you know, you, you're not chunky. Yeah. Thick. Right. As the kids say. Thick. Yeah. With two C's. Yeah. Um, My hips are getting there though. I'm getting millennial thick right millennial now. Millennial thick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, my point is that you can't just go and get yourself like a, you're going to be wrong whatever you do, right? Either you get one that fits your giant arms, in which case it's going to be like a tent or a parachute. Really thick. Or you get one that fits your relative slimness and it's going to come up to like your elbows. Yeah. So you go to proper cloth, you spec it out and you say, I have giant gangly arms, but I'm really thin. And then they can make it fit. Look, it matches. Right. It's like it was made to measure because it was. It's perfect. And so there are other businesses like this that that pop up. And the the point of them was to also just help men shop because men also don't like to, you know, take a Saturday and go to if you could shop at Macy's, you know, you go to Macy's, you shop around. And it's like, how do you who actually wants to do that? So the ease of putting your size in, customizing it on the fly. And once your sizes are saved, it's saved. Again, this is just Steve's business attire. Boom, I go in. I could buy five shirts. I could buy one shirt. And that's what we did. I bought seven shirts the other day. It was great. Yeah. You have a whole new wardrobe. So propercloth.com, you get $20 off your first shirt with the promo code PFF20. See why propercloth is the best custom shirt maker. Go to propercloth.com slash PFF right now. PFF20 for $20 off. That is a really useful part of it that you can just, once you go through the process of figuring out exactly what your size is. Saved. Couple, yeah. A couple of measurements. Get it dialed in. They'll send you one to make sure it's right. You know, you try that on. If it's not right, you tweak it all for, you know, all for free, essentially. You get that one dialed in and then bam, save. Now, from that point on, you are just buying 
your favorite shirts. Now you're just styling the shirt and you know it will fit because it's got your measurements. And we have another great read coming up later. Yes. Can't wait. Excellent. When you guys hear about 3.0 Three. and what's happening there. All right. Well, the rest of the top 10. Again, when I was looking at this top 10, you know, there's no Von Miller. There's no Khalil Mack. There's no Tom Brady this year. You've got Russell Wilson at three. Patrick Mahomes moved up to four. By the way, Donald, Aaron Donald, off year, ends up at two. So this is the thing, right? People are like, Donald really wasn't that good this year. He really was. Like, we're just not paying attention. Donald is is suffering from two different things. One, the fact that we're getting bored giving things to Aaron Donald. Yeah, we right? talked about this with the awards on yeah. Monday. And two, the fact that we're comparing him to a year ago where he was all-time stupid great. Like, the fact that he didn't come close to what he did a year ago shouldn't actually impact where he was in relation to his peers this year. He effectively was the same distance ahead of everybody at yep. his position this year as he was a year ago. It's just that they're both lower. Right. So he led all uh, interior players in total pressures by a mile this season. And that's without even factoring in all those extra uh, wins on the defensive line yeah. that didn't become he's, pressure. He's basically gone to the point where every single season, if it was the first time that he did it, we'd be raving about how incredible exactly. this performance yes. is because we've never seen it before. Correct. But now we've seen it five times, essentially. Well, A, we've seen it five times. And B, like I say, last year sort of unfairly changed ex- expectations. It's like, right. well, he had one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. So if he falls short of that this year, I mean, it's, it's, he sucked. Like, well, he didn't. I mean, he was still, you know. And he played a little different role at times. Forget that last year happened. You would be saying this guy's the best player in the NFL. Yeah, of course. Uh, Number five, Brandon Brooks. He was our top uh, offensive lineman, wins the Bruce Matthews Award this particular season. Great run blocking performance. Only 19 pressures this year. TJ Watt in, in, in the top 10 for the Steelers at edge. You know, he continued to just impress. I mean, he is he's he's established himself as, you know, potentially an annually elite edge defender, which, you know, probably exceeds even what Pittsburgh was expecting at the back end of the first round from him. Yeah, he developed in these sort of steps, right? Kind of like it reminded me a lot of how Khalil Mack's career started, where he was good right off the bat, in particular against the run. Then he developed as a pass rusher. And then the next step was taking the step between or taking the step from just getting a lot of pressure to now suddenly you're making these game changing plays and you're racking up the force fumbles and you know all those kinds of things mac did exactly the same thing and this was the year tj watt took that step from all right he's getting quite a lot of pressure to now he's getting the sacks he's getting the strip sacks even on a couple of interceptions um really was starting to change games with the impact plays he made the other thing i i was going to say is um with brandon brooks his season, he tore his Achilles at the ass end of last year. Yeah. Like, even playing this year is an achievement. I think, dude, this like, is happening all over the place now, right? They, we just kind of like forget these dudes got but like, hurt. So Richard Sherman is a good example, right? He tore his Achilles, but it was the, the year before, and it was midway through the year, right? Like, it took him a, a, a clear year of playing and then another year to get back to where he was. Like, for Brandon Brooks at 300-plus pounds to even get on the field this year... Given, I think it was like week 17 last year. It was yeah. right at the end. For him to even get on the field is an achievement. For him to play well is an, like another level. For him to have a career year when he was already like a perennial top five guard, for him to take a step and be the best guard in the NFL and be better than he's ever been before, 
coming off an ACL or a, a, an Achilles is ludicrous. Really impressive. He's also, so I've been chasing up guys trying to get uh, mailing addresses for them to ship out their uh, PFF awards. PFF stalker. The bling. You the are. trophies. Um, I've been having some nice conversations with these guys. Really? Brandon Brooks said, uh, I want to say thanks for the award and the support. Never been a talkative guy. Just tries to let us play do the talking. Well, he did, and he got, a, got an award for it. it. We called him the fifth best player in the NFL. Exactly. Regardless of position. Uh, so number seven was Lamar Jackson. And so Uh-oh. we talk about Lamar a lot of times, all the time. It's, it's a hot button issue. Why do you hate right? Lamar, Steve? Um, so I have, another, I have another explanation for our Lamar grades. And Other than hate. Stuff. Other than hate, okay. Um, I feel like this was like when I used to always have to, uh, you know, start off with. I think Tim Tebow's a great guy. I just don't think he's great at playing NFL football. You always have to like press it. Like I think he's great, but did you just compare Lamar Jackson to Tim Tebow? Yeah, on air. I, I'm comparing the um, pre-take apology that I used to have to make. You know, the, you know, felt Ooh. felt like I needed to take. So when this my, gets clipped out and put on on social media. My pre-take I w- I apology like request that I don't get tagged in it. My pre-take apology is Lamar Jackson was awesome. He was so good this year. Here's the thing, right? Because we talked about the MVP race and how people, you know, you can you can only remember like last week, barely, right? What was the last thing I saw? Uh, Lamar Jackson finishing great down the stretch, right? On the in the MVP race, also stinking in the playoffs. Yeah, but I'm, ta- I'm talking about during the MVP stuff. Okay. During the regular season, he had a game in week three against the Chiefs where he was horrendous. People forget about this is the game people forget about, right? Now, due to the small sample size nature of football, if you eliminate that great game from our grades, mm-hmm. he did have the highest grade among all quarterbacks. Mm. It cost him two whole points, 93.3 down to 91 or something like that in the regular season. Okay. But it okay. happened. But it did happen. Mm. And that gets rolled into this. It was an entire game. I don't even did it happen, but when you look at seeding and stuff, it was kind of important. It was. Now, it ended up, the Ravens were fine. They ended up the number one seed, but it was, you know, a big game against the eventual Super Bowl champions. Right. He had a 32.1 grade. So, in a year where Lamar Jackson won MVP, and we're fine with that, he had one of the worst games we saw of any quarterback in the NFL. Now, during that game, the, uh, the final stats you know, didn't look too bad. He ended up 22 for 43. So he threw for 267 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, passer rating of 70. It's like, all right, not too bad. There was a point in that game where he was like two for 100, actually. No, he was like, he was like six for 20 something at one point. It was horrendous. And the two big completions that he had in that game, one of them was a throwback across his body that should have been picked. That was a turnover worthy play that got caught. That was, and the other one was the need play. Yes. Yeah. So that was that like Willie Sneed, like prevented. Like he like made saved one the of the pick six. What, yeah, made one of the pass breakups of the century to right. catch a ball and that was basically getting picked off. And the other big play in that was a jump ball. Like if you take those two huge completions that he had, actually kind of saved his numbers, and neither one was really earned. So he had a thirty-five point six overall grade. It was a thirty-two grade as a as a passer, and he was okay as a runner in that game uh, by our numbers. So it just shows because every snap matters, and hashtag every snap does matter or count they all count toward the final grade yes that was a big part of it now if you want to say hey take that game away in his other 14 games that he played not 15 because he sat out week 17 the other 14 games that he played he was the best quarterback in the nfl our numbers actually backed that up but we count week three as well. We it was one of the worst games we've seen. Count the postseason game where he couldn't bring them back. Oh, yeah. For, for, for his number seven ranking here, Can that's I also correct. Point out something else. 
there are around 2,500 players that play in every NFL season. To be on the list of the top 101 is putting you in extremely rare, impressive company. Yeah. To be in the top 10 means you are phenomenal. Yes. Like the idea that being seven means we hate you is idiocy. Like if you're in the top seven players of 2,500 you were spectacular. I don't even want to speak to the to the one idiot that said that we hate him. I just want to speak to the masses who are going to go to PFF.com. They're going to click on this list. They know that Lamar Jackson was MVP and they see him at seven. Yeah, I mean, and that, we say we're not adjusting for value or position and that every snap counts in this whole thing. So that's just right. what I want. To but I think that that's a relevant thing, right? Being seventh is not disrespect or hating or sliding. Being seventh is an insanely impressive achievement. And there are only six players in all of football when you say all positions are created equal, when you eliminate the fact that quarterback is more important, more valuable to winning, there are only six guys over the entire NFL season that we thought were better from a just a comparison to his peers point of view than Lamar Jackson. That is incredibly good. Yes. So good job, Lamar Jackson. You made the top 10. Back to back Saints, eight and nine. Michael Thomas and Ryan Ramchek. Yes. So, you know, one guy gets all the accolades, catches a million passes, and then Ryan Ramchak, the right tackle, no accolades. But man, was he pretty awesome as well. Again. Again. Back to back, really good seasons. This is, well, three straight years. Yeah. This is the best start during the PFF era, the best start at tackle for anybody not named Joe Thomas. Right. So, he is the closest thing to Joe Thomas from a pure grading standpoint. Yeah, I actually got to check that. He's been really kind of impressive. The other thing is every year there's an interesting competition to be the best interior defender not named Aaron Donald because, you know, Donald yeah. is just off in a world in his own. Who even, wins this year? Even this year when he's taking a step back. This year, the best interior defender in the NFL not named Aaron Donald is Cameron Hayward. Cameron Hayward. Who, again, had to step up, right? Stephon Tewitt goes down. Now he's got to do, he's got to be the man inside kind of by himself. As we said, Javon Hargrave stepped up as well, but Hayward had to take more responsibility this year because he wasn't part of a dominant interior tandem or at least didn't expect to be. And he really raised his game, had more stops than he's ever had before, had a better grade career year. He was absolutely incredible this season. Quentin Nelson at 11, just his second year at guard. I think we're starting to see an influx of some better offensive linemen. These last couple of years, it's been it's been a rough couple of years, but I think it's starting to start to turn a little bit. And this offensive tackle class in the draft is also intriguing. It is. Um, yeah. Nelson, again, the player that brings everybody together. Everybody loves Quentin Nelson. The guy's a monster. He's an absolute beast. If we could get Quentin Harris at our live show in Indianapolis, Quentin, Harris? Quentin Nelson. I'm yeah. sorry. Anthony Harris is the next. Guy. If we can get Quentin Nelson at the show and hopefully I would call him by the right name. That would help. Lest he beat you to death. Yes. Yeah. That and would then, be unfortunate. And then maybe worse things. Who knows? Knowing, his, knowing his history. Yeah. Um, God, that would be a terrible. If we could get Quentin Nelson on our live show in Indy, talk some trench warfare, give him a pass the damn ball shirt or hat. Because he's got the run the damn ball. Well, he, he might just rip it in half. But I don't be, think he'd like that. That'd be, that'd be good for the show. If so. Hmm. Be good for the show. Well, him beating you to death with things. No, no, no. Certainly be entertaining. I'd get his name right. He wouldn't do that. Uh, he might do it if you gave him a throw the damn ball shirt. I also, I was one of the many people who, who uh, everyone was fighting to declare. Yeah, you were first. Who who was first on yeah. Quentin Nelson. I liked him as a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. 
He's out there pancaking dudes. Yeah. I'm like, this guy. I'm pretty sure that was a season I saw him as Week well. two against Virginia. I had week two. His dad claimed him first, though, right? Didn't he come and say? His dad eventually claimed him yeah. first. I think it was like, he I was wins. first as a redshirt freshman. Then O-line Twitter came in. And then his dad trumped all and said, I loved him first. Yeah. And his dad wins. He does. Yeah. Well, let's invite Quentin and his dad to the PFF live show. Hashtag let us know. If you're going to be there in Indianapolis, we can check do out people actually question. use that hashtag like people, not us. Like, is that the hashtag we should be sending people to? No. Hashtag uh, PFF live. Remember, we checked this. Yeah, PFF that's live. what I mean. Like, I'm pretty sure people use let us know. And we it's had a few people to us. respond to us with PFF live. So, yeah, if you're going to use hashtag, let us know. We had somebody com- say Florida. Combine it with PFF live. Oh, this guy said, I would definitely consider going if Sam agrees to sing and lead us in a few drinking songs. Oh, I could do that. All right. Add that as a segment. This time. Hashtag PFF Live. Well, this time I can actually be in time with the music because I'd be able to hear it properly. Um, that would help. This guy said that he would fly from Denver to join. Wow. Um, this guy's from the UK. And um, he said if I lived in the US within one to two hour drive, he'd attend. But he's in the UK. So no. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen anytime soon. And this guy can make it to anywhere in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Okay. But we got a request for some drinking songs from you. I could do drinking songs. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you've you've sung multiple songs on the yeah. show before, right? What is, uh, what's the whiskey in the jar? You know that one? I don't, if you could save it for the uh, Oh, I could save it. For the show. One of the oldest drinking songs in the world, apparently. That's just fantastic. Isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's great. Do you see people, uh, or me, complaining about the NFL screwing up? So they've, they've, they've taken baby steps, right? They're at least saying Patty's Day instead of Patty's Day. So they've got that right. Mm. Unfortunately, they've tried to Irish everything up by putting four-leaf clovers on everything. Yeah, your skill set for knowing the proper name of uh, Irish holidays celebrated in America. Mm. Yeah, that's way more useless than the skills I have. Well, the... the Knowing percentages in my head and the shamrock, connect to anyone in the world. The shamrock has three leaves, not four. So if you're making, a, if you're making things for yeah. Patty's Day... Three leaves, not four. Three. Three. Otherwise, you just made a Lucky t-shirt. You haven't made an Irish t-shirt. What about uh, Lucky from Lucky Charms? What's he? Lucky from Lucky Charms? Yeah. Like the leprechaun? The leprechaun. What's he? Is this he? three or four? Uh, does he have Is a Is he thing? doing it wrong? Yeah, he's got like got one on his hat or something, doesn't he? Does he? I don't know. Let's Lucky see. Charm guy. What's the image say? Don't they have a whole marshmallow that's a... I don't know. That's a clover now? Where is he? He I has, just want to no, know if my see, favorite cereal is doing it Oh, he it does. Right. It's four. So, they, they've screwed so they're it up doing it wrong, too? Yes. Maybe you're wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm Irish. doesn't matter. It does. So that's, the, that's like saying I played in the NFL. My analysis is better. Same thing. I'm Irish. I know Irish holidays better. I know it's what an American the shamrock holiday. is. We celebrate it the way we want to. Wrongly? The way we want to. It's not an American America. holiday. It's St. It's, it's Patrick's Day. It's our patron saint. Stop screwing it up. Yeah, three leaves, not four. <laughs> it's our patron saint. It is. Uh, the dude er- eradicated all the snakes from Ireland with his. If Lucky the Leprechaun is wrong, I don't even. Don't you don't want to be right? right? Not at all. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to okay. have some Lucky Charms later today. All right. PFF 101. It's over at PFF.com. Go check out the entire list. Send all your hate to at PFF underscore Sam. He did the writing, though um, you can hate me as well. We put the list. Can I together. show you just how together. wrong you are? Look. Even St. Patrick in like stained glass form has a three-leafed shamrock. Ah, things have evolved since then. 
that's how different world. That's how like all this is that like back in medieval times with stained glass windows, they knew what it was, what the story was. We like to uh, we Screw like to roid up, up yes. our. Uh, clovers and now they have four no you like to make mistakes you like to take things and screw them up and get them wrong let's talk nfl draft sam okay we were grinding the film the other day wide receivers we keep talking about this wide receiver class how good it is potentially and just how many potential first rounders there are so let's go through some names that we're familiar with because okay. we've we've been grinding the film and this was your uh your intro into into many of these wide receivers. Yeah. But first, tell everybody about your friends. My friends. At Manscaped. Why are they my friends? They're your friends. You had a lawnmower 3.0 delivered to your house. And this is a game changer. In fact, I'm going to let you make the, <laughs> the announcement. The announcement? Oh. Just read that, that third line there. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. That's two creatives in the same thing, right? That's Don't correct them. They got not, it right. It's not the best copy in the world. Um, this new trimmer was just released only moments ago. It's been out for a while, but moments ago. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is now available for purchase. It's so much better than the 2.0, isn't it? It has. They have cranked up the RPMs. And frankly, if you're looking for anything when you're looking at ball trimmers, it's what are the RPMs? Yeah, when you're sitting there How comparing, high can I redline this thing? Because that's what's yeah. going to make the difference. That's well, what's going to get through the bush. The other thing is, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure lawnmowers like like Kleenex, right? Kleenex is like that's just what you ask for. It's 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 the, it's the brand of tissue that everybody, you know, is familiar with. Yeah. Well, like that's that's gonna be the lawnmower in a couple of years. Oh, that's gonna be manscaped. Okay. Right. There's no other. There's no other tools on the market. I mean, I suggested a better way of doing that would be to Coke. make to make manscaped the the verb, or the, rather than lawnmower. Oh, manscaped is a thing. Manscaped is like lawnmower is also already a like a true push. Manscaped is going to be right. the uh, understood term. One of the coolest new features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas. For a closer and more precise trimming. So while you are shaving your balls, you can light them up like a Christmas tree. I did so not know see that exactly line. what you're doing. It illuminates. I have right? to figure out where that light is. <laughs> I mean, it's right in the front. It's, That's amazing. You know, it casts a light where you're, where like you're mowing. My favorite vacuum has like a light there. You know, That's what I'm saying. Right? Same idea. They, I mean, they've thought of everything. They've taken the best features from all of your favorite uh, household items. Which is plug them all together. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming up. Treat yourself to a lawnmower 3.0. Don't forget about the charging stand, Steve. Show oh, yeah. off your mower loud and, proud, loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand and is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. So USB-powered charging dock lights up your nuts as it's shaving them. What more could you want? What more could you want? And if you liked the 2.0, you know, you're going like, to actually love the 3.0. Love the 3.0. Mostly because of the RPMs. The, yeah, the RPMs is key. This thing basically revs as fast as my car. Yeah, your car is fast. That's what I'm saying. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. And as always, Steve, your balls will thank you. They will thank you. Lawnmower 3.0. It's out. We have it. You should too. Manscaped.com. 
PFF is the promo code. Go Use check it out right now. By the way, the send other- us a picture of that too. So send us a picture of Not the shirt. Shaving your butt. nuts. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> Just the purchase. Very careful what you're asking. Just for photos the purchase of. order. Yes. Um, the other thing that's actually really cool, it's not the 3.0, though that is awesome. I was using their wash bag when we went to the Super Bowl. I noticed that. And then nice, you left it in it? my bag. Well, you and uh, I, my I wife to... was asking me where this thing came from. Yeah, but it's nice, though, right? Like, yeah, it's really all nice. leather and it's really and classy. Sp- yeah, it really is. I threw my stuff in your bag because I was carry on. You were checking like half a house. I, I was like big carry. Right. Look, I, let me just throw this in here. You're already checking the guts of a building here. <laughs> Like this wash bag, bag is not moving the needle. The Manscaped bag is nice. It's nice. So, so get yourself one of those. Everything that they do is well done. High quality stuff. Yeah. All right, Sam, let's get into this wide receiver class. I think the debate at the top is generally Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, and then CD Lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Currently, Mike Renner, our, uh, our draft guy now, has has CD Lamb over Jerry Judy at five and six. Again, one of those things where it's like, he even said on Twitter, it's debatable, changes all the time. Do you have a preference between Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb from what we saw on the film grinding yesterday? Yes. Who do you like? Jerry Judy. Why? Because he has the best route running skills of anybody I've ever seen come out of college. Ever seen come out of college? I think so. Can you remember what Antonio Brown looked like? Remember you yeah. you said, hey, this was this was weird and you evaluated it and you're like, ah, this will never play. Yeah. Is it anything like that, or is that was that just like a different animal when Antonio Brown came? It was a different type of thing because he did everything slower. Like Antonio Brown had this weird thing where he he was able to make these sort of sidesteps and moves to get Brown people, and it just didn't look like it should function, and it did. And I was like, that that there's no way that works against superior athletes. Like it's one thing for where was he Central Michigan? Yeah, but that's not going to happen against you know NFL players. It turns out it did. But Judy does the same kind of thing, just faster. Like my my analysis of him was Jerry Judy is essentially if you ran Calvin Ridley at like 120 percent speed. That's pretty good. And and I loved Ridley coming out. I thought he was a clear first round player. And the reason was his route running is exactly the same thing. His route running was so good that he was able to get himself. He's his understanding of how to set up defenders, how to get open, how to break away from leverage. All this stuff was phenomenal. So he would generate more separation than anybody else in that draft class. Now, his hands weren't that great, but the separation was important because it bought him extra room to sort of, you know, not catch it cleanly, juggle it, double catch, that kind of stuff. Yep. Judy's hands, I think, are better than Ridley's. And his route running is better and faster. Like he does all the things Ridley did and he does them faster and like at a more, at a more dangerous and athletic level. The, the number of plays where you just put it on and the poor cornerback trying to live with his release or his moves after, after he gets into his route and are just, they can't deal with it. It's too good. It is Judy's pure speed is probably in the four, three range. I mean, just pure speed is fast. Yeah. I mean, is, is, is high is is good. Right. And then usually when you have a, cause we'll, we'll talk about his teammate, um, rugs, Henry rugs in a minute who might be sub four, three and his speed is just electric and ridiculous, but rugs isn't the same type of route runner. He doesn't usually, if you're that fast, it's tough to slow down, meaning it's tough to be quick, right? The fact that Judy has that type of quickness and speed is just a little ridiculous. He's also his his run off the catch stuff is kind of nuts as well because he the quickness that he has in his route running 
uh, translates exactly to stupid moves after the catch where he just makes people fall over without touching them. Right. Like his ability to cut um, and just string together uh, a, a basically back-to-back cuts, you know, cut to the right, then cut to the left. And this the the guy in front of him is shot off in the wrong direction. He just takes off into space is insane. Um, he has this weird ability to sink his, uh, to get low, sink, and basically cut back-to-back. Kind of the way, you know, Marshawn Lynch always looked, even when he was running in a straight line, always looked like he was heading every step was sideways. Yeah. Judy kind of does that as well with these the sort of back-to-back cuts. Oh, so he's Marshawn Lynch. No, and it just leaves people season. grasping at air. He's incredible after the catch. He's incredible in his route running. He might not be the most the best contested catch guy or you know going to traffic that much, but he is going to get you more separation than anybody else in this draft class on a consistent basis. So no worries about that. As I'm watching the film, I'm like, yeah, you know, the dig route, you know, that middle of the field stuff. I don't know that he's a high-volume you know, catch 110 passes and a bunch of them like a Michael Thomas yeah. type, which is fine. I mean, that's, he's a different but type it's just, of receiver. So, Are you okay with that? Yeah. He's not, he's probably not going to get those sort of, you know, high, high point contested catch and traffic type of passes, but given how much he gets open, it just, who cares? Like maybe like if he did that as well, he might be one of the greatest of all time. But yeah, he doesn't, yeah, so I he's just it. really good. Like, there was a play I... Just posing the question. There was a play I drew up as a, a gif and posted on Twitter where it was just a simple sort of out route, right? And he basically tied the defensive back so badly in knots that when he broke outside, it was like five, seven, maybe more yards of clear separation. Like, if that's third and five, he's generated the kind of separation that means you or I could get a first down let alone NFL quarterback. And he can do that consistently every single down. That is huge because like it doesn't, at that point you're eliminating a huge number of the plays where he needs to make a contested catch because he's wide the hell open. I get it. So route running is spectacular. The speed plus quickness is fantastic. And there's a few guys in this class that are similar. CD lamb when watching him, I thought the biggest thing that stood out to me was the feel. So there's different types of create, uh, receivers different ways of creating yards after the catch right like a lot of people think of like Wes Welker back in the day being super shifty and making guys miss you know you've got George Kittle he uses speed and power to me Judy is like shiftiness he's gonna juke a guy and he's gonna fall over CD Lamb has this great feel for where defenders are and just running away from them just essentially let you know using their leverage against them working away from their leverage catching that five-yard hitch and take him to the house like or almost to the house like he did against Baylor because he knows where defenders are and he's got just a great feel for that and vision after the catch as well. I think that's where Lamb separates himself from other guys in this class after the catch with the way he works that. Yeah, he's a strange guy to watch because he's got a weird body type for a start. He's like all trunk. Um, <laughs> trunk guy. Yeah. And then it my never, trunk, your legs. We were joking yesterday, right? That Yeah. That size. It never looks like he's moving very fast, but he appears to be, you know, in the way that he runs past people, runs through all this kind of stuff. And then also like, he doesn't look like the most powerful guy in the world, but guys just skittle off him all the time. When all the tackling. Time. Yeah. So he's, and we're trying to figure out, is that just the big 12 or is that there's something like, honestly, like defenders, fall off to Sean Watson quite a bit and he's not right. the biggest guy but he he makes he looks like Big Ben sometimes the way he shrugs off tacklers and Judy has some of, I mean uh, Lamb has some of that it might be like the Antonio Brown thing right where you kind of look at it and you go I, I mean it doesn't look 
that impressive, but it's working and it works all the time. So there's probably something to it. Right. I think that's kind of where I am with, with CD lamb is that a lot of the times it doesn't look as spectacular as Jerry Judy, but it, it functions. It works as well. Now, there's a huge problem with evaluating big 12 receivers because like the first couple of targets we pulled up like literally nobody was covering him well he just runs wide open through his own for a 60 yard touchdown total coverage bust nobody's picking that up he just runs into the secondary and he's 20 yards ahead of anybody else and that's where the grades will pick it up like here's this 60 yard touchdown and it's like okay we might just give you a a positive but like a low expected positive type of thing yeah so i mean i was saying that as soon as there is a high quality draft prospect at receiver in the big 12 they should be forced to immediately transfer to the sec or another conference is actually going to play some defense because it is miserable trying to like weed out all the targets that are just meaningless because they're like they're busts nobody's covering them like the coverage is insane and the guy just wanders through for a wide open touchdown. And there's a bunch of these as well, where it's like a five second, 20 yard dig route, you know, into the gap, the giant hole that's opened up between the secondary that's been run off and the linebackers are all doing something underneath. There's now like a 20 yard gap of open space in the middle, but it's going to take five seconds for him to get there. I, again, these are just like meaningless snaps. that It's almost impossible to do anything with. Right. Um, and there's so many of those for him, but it's difficult to find a hole in his game in terms of what he doesn't do well because he appears to do everything well. Does Lamb look fast to you? I, I, like I say, he doesn't look it, but he appears to run away from a lot of people. So I'm going to assume that he, lo- that he is faster than he looks. Yeah, I know I'm repeating, but it's just like I was back and forth on it, too. It doesn't. It's not even I, I kept sort of wanting to say it was a, a like a smooth style, but it, I don't think it's even that. It just there's something about it that. It doesn't look fast, but I think it probably is. There's just something weird about the way it happens. I've that, seen the thing is, I've seen the acceleration. You know, a lot of guys. Yeah. It's kind of like the quarterback who doesn't always throw lasers. He throws a catchable ball. I feel like a big part of Lamb's route running is just like doing just enough what he thinks he needs to do to get open. But sometimes when he needs to run away from a guy, like you said, he will. Um, other guys that are so we watched Henry Ruggs, as I said, and, and Jalen Rager from uh, TCU, both guys um, similar to these other guys on. They're not they're more speed type receivers. Henry Ruggs, you know, they say he's got sub four, three speed that kind of shows up yeah, on the field as well. I thought he looked a lot like a, uh, a Will Fuller or a, uh, a Mike Wallace, a guy that is going to translate to the NFL as a legitimate you know, the old take the top off the defense type of guy, a guy that you just want on the field because corners and safeties have to respect his, his deep speed. They do. Rugs. Yeah. His, I mean, he's got speed there. Yeah. Definitely shows up. I like Mike Wallace as the comp for him. Um, this was sort of white Mike Wallace before he went, you know, off a cliff and didn't right, like right. the same guy again. He was a legitimate deep threat for the Steelers and a little bit uh, the Dolphins. Yeah. But Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh, Mike Wallace, I think is a good comparison for rugs where it's like, he is so fast in a straight line that if you don't disrupt it, if you don't get in its way, he's going by you because you can't live with that. And he's got that kind of thing where if, again, if he gets the ball in his hands in the open field and there's enough of a space to get moving, he's gone. You're not catching him. So yeah, I think so that he, was a good comp. He had, um, so among draft eligible eligible receivers, this is on our rankings list over at PFF.com. Ruggs has the second highest yards after the catch per reception of anybody in the class, right ahead of C.D. Lamb, uh, right behind Ayuk from Arizona State, who you want to discuss as well. But he's number two in yards after the catch per reception. But he just really does it by running away from guys. I don't think he's the most shifty. No. I don't know if it's about the body, you know, the feel and uh, the vision that like a C.D. Lamb has. It's just like. 
he's faster than everybody. Yeah. And if he gets in the open field, it's going to, instead of being a 20 yard gain, it's, it's 50. I mean, he's going to take it to the house with that speed. Yeah. There were a couple of plays where he, you know, made a catch over the middle and there was just enough of a window and you just see him accelerate through a gap that most people wouldn't make it through. Right. And instead of getting, you know, a 20, 30 yard catch, he takes it 60 to the house because he's just faster than the guy who's trying to close that, that close the angle on him. Um, what about Jalen Rager from uh, TCU? Another guy f- he listed at 5'11", but he was on uh, Bruce Feldman's freaks list, I believe. Another guy that runs in the four threes, um, supposedly four three two is what he ran at TCU. But he's another guy that's quick as well. Like yeah. he's really quick in and out of breaks, and he maintains speed out of breaks, and he's pretty good getting off press. Yeah, I really liked him a lot. Strong hands as well. There were a bunch of catches he made that were not the best placed passes in the world where he like took them away from defensive backs some horrible yes quarterback so he's a guy who gets completely screwed by the quarterback throwing him the ball like the number of passes where he's wide open and the ball just doesn't go anywhere near him i pulled up a pass to you where it's like a quick quick bubble screen the ball's in the dirt like seven yards in front of him like great you would have put the ball significantly closer oh to him i could throw a mean bubble screen than that guy did. They're not as easy as they look. You know, angles and stuff like that. But I could, I could throw them. I could throw a good ball screen. Both of you. Both of you and me would have got the ball significantly closer to yeah. him. And my passing yards would have been great because he would have picked something up after the catch. Right. So he's another guy. I, I really think Judy and Lamb are in a different world yeah. as far as after the catch ability because of various things. They're just so good at it. I don't know if Rager's the best. I know Renner had in his notes coming into the season that he's outstanding after the catch. I think he had fewer reps this year that kind of showed that off. I don't know if he's got the same feel as some of those other guys with the ball in his hands. Who you, uh, who you are you arguing on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Patriots fans that think uh, Gilmore should be higher in the one-on-one. No. So why should he not be? Why should he not? Well, it, I mean, they're just saying, oh, so Gilmore. So you have uh, Sherman above Gilmore. It's like, well, yeah, we do. Greatest hire, but also all of the numbers were better as well. Now there's... There are, Gilmore played a, a more challenging role as right. far as so covering there are, ones, there are but, things but role doesn't matter. Like the thing he really got torched against Devontae Parker in yes. the last game of the season, uh-huh. and he also had a few plays. Forget the numbers, like where he's given up separation and there's an overthrow and underthrow, whatever it is, and all those things show up not in the numbers, but they do show up in the grades. So that's they that explanation. Do. Um, but and the numbers are dramatically favor Sherman. Like his passer rating against is better. He'll have like a third of the yardage. Uh, like half the catches, he went something like eight reception or eight snaps in coverage between receptions allowed more than Gilmore, like five per target more. Like his numbers across the board were dramatically better than Gilmore's. Now you can definitely argue that Gilmore had a tougher role um, and that should bump him up. But again, like how much do you weigh those things? All right, let's wrap up uh, a little bit more of the wide receiver discussion. We watched a little T Higgins from Clemson. 6'4", 215, and you both, you and I both looked at each other and just said, catch radius. That's the, in Renner's you know, notes, catch radius. I mean, that seems like the biggest thing that, that stands out on his film. And isn't that always the most concerning? So the concerning radius. thing that you say is more about contested catches. This is, this is a little different. This is more like an Allen. Look, so <laughs> Allen Robinson has some real good wiggle to his route running. Yeah. And I think that's why Allen Robinson is a, you know, top 10 caliber receiver, right? He can get open and his contested catchability is just next level type of stuff. I think Higgins has that next level contested catchability that's in Robinson's range, 
but to maximize your value, you also need to get open. I think Higgins has, he's kind of in between like the big, the big dudes who can't separate. And then an Allen Robinson who every now and again, runs some routes like he's five foot 10 and shifty. Is that fair? Yeah. I just maintain that if the thing you lead with for a receiver is contested catch, catch radius, I think it's a bad sign. Now, I think Higgins has got some skills. He's got the ability to get open. He can you know, he can make some things happen after the catch. Yeah, 12 broken tackles on 59 yeah. catches. I think he's more of a well-rounded receiver than anything else. Like He seems to be pretty good at everything. With but that. his biggest strength is traffic. Yeah, probably. Certainly compared to these other guys. I mean, he's the first guy on this list, I think, that it, he's the best of the ones we've mentioned at that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we were going... There, and this is the interesting thing about this wide receiver class is you've got... Some incredible speed. You have a big guy like T. Higgins. You have a guy like LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he's essentially like a... Our, our comparison in the draft guide is Cordero Patterson. And it's not... Be, and again, take comparisons for what they are, which is usually just like a snippet of a guy's game. But he's like Cordero, Cordero Patterson because Patterson is like a running back. And the Patriots actually used him as a running back. Chenault has been an offensive weapon... At Colorado, you get the ball to him in the flat. He's incredible after the catch. He probably could straight up play running back for a team if you wanted him to. And then he's a decent receiver as well. Um, like the way he goes up and catches the ball. And he's a potential sub 4-4 guy as well um, with a pretty big frame. Yeah. Um, who else did you take a liking to or or take a look at? Um, I, liked, I liked Ayuk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was interesting because obviously he's coming out of Arizona State a year after Nikhil Harry. Um, and they're are they the same year, right? They 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 were both juniors at the same time. Like I stayed Sounds for right. a senior season, and, so. and Nikhil Harry came out. He is a dramatically better player than yeah. Nikhil Harry is. Now I think they they have some strength in the same area. Like they're both really good after the catch, um, but where they differ is that I think it's easier to get the ball in Ayuk's hands than it is Harry because he's going to generate separation on his own without you having to manufacture him all these targets the same way we would have to with Harry. So Harry's thing is you did need, like you led off with contested catch guy, right? Incredible body control, contested catches, wins all the jump balls, and he's really good after the catch. The end won't separate. Yeah. Problem. Ayuk will separate. He can make real good plays after the catch. Um, he won't. I, I don't think he's as good a contested catch guy as Nikhil Harry is. But as I say, you're going to have a lot less contested catches because he'll get open. So, yeah, I liked what he brought. I think, you know, given that one guy came out a year ago and this is what IU did um, taking over the mantle this year, I think he's a dramatically better prospect. All right. Go check out PFF.com. We've got all of our draft position rankings as of right now. Uh, Mike Renner's doing a great job. The two for one drafts podcast. They speak draft all year. They talk, talk draft all. They're what? And rookies. And rookies. Hence two for one. Draft and rookies. Um, do we, do you want to have Mike on the show? You hate having guests. But we'll just squeeze him right in the middle. Just give him, give the kid 10 minutes. Little Mike. He's just trying to make a name for himself. <laughs> That's like the next. I mean, I was the draft guy for a few years. Mike's trying to work his way up. Uh, the other guy we should probably mention is Denzel Mims. Oh, yeah. From Baylor. Oh, and, because, and Michael Pittman Jr. But Well, Mims in particular, because, you know why? I don't know why. Stand out at the senior bowl. Oh, jeez. Do you not know how I enter the draft process? Well, I was going to throw K.J. Hill in there as the sleeper. Because so another guy, the yeah. Bowl. But 
Denzel Mims had the highest grade of any receiver during the one-on-ones in the senior bowl. Is he your number one? I wouldn't go that far yet. I mean, Judy is phenomenal. Um, But Denzel Mims was absolutely beasting people at the senior bowl. And, you know, some guy was complaining on Twitter because we, he skyrocketed up our draft board from like before to after. Right. Like, how can you have all this grading on a guy and then change him by like 30 spots in your big board based off one week? Like, well, so a one week of practice at an all-star game is really important in and of itself. Right. That's a significant amount of data that is exists completely new from anything else. Right. Yeah. It is a completely different environment that you don't get to see at any other time and evaluate these people Two. For a guy like Mims in particular, it's huge because he comes from that Baylor offense that runs like three routes, right? So now you get him to the senior bowl and you say, all right, you now have to run a legitimate uh, route tree. How are you going to do? Now, that was you know one of the big concerns with Corey Coleman a few years ago. It's like the guy comes from Baylor. He runs three routes. How does he run an it's NFL a different route offense tree? there, but a similar... But the similar same, issue because right, they still idea, ran a limited right? tree there. Limited route tree. And it's like, how does that translate when you suddenly need him to run a whole bunch more stuff and more complex things? So for Mims to go to that and have to run a much bigger variety of things and still crush everybody, that's really impressive. And that is a completely different set of information yeah. that you then apply. I mean, the other issue is you respond into one guy that questioned the... It wasn't one or a few people. Okay. Um, just a little insight on that, too, because there was a whole thing about Todd McShay not having Josh Jones from Houston, you know, not even in like his top 220 or something going into the Senior Bowl. And, you know, we had him as we have him as a first rounder and all that stuff. And, you know, Todd McShay, he's got other jobs to do for ESPN now. He's like a sideline reporter. You know, so a lot of, you know, the fans, I know these guys are considered draft gurus and that's their job and all that, but they're not really always doing it all the way, you know, all year round. And sometimes you just didn't get, you know, to evaluate that guy. I'm just defending Todd okay. a little bit on the Josh Jones thing. And even a guy like Mims, there's a million different receivers. A lot of these guys are going to be interchangeable in eight through 15. So there can certainly be some movement there. Michael Pittman is the other guy in Jawan Jen- uh, Jennings that round out the top 10 so far. Six four, six three, both guys physical. Jennings has been high point in passes seemingly for the last six years in the SEC. And then Pittman, uh, one of the best drop rates in the NFL. Another more of a possession type uh, type of guy. Big physical Michael Pittman Jr. So another running back? I believe so. Is he is are his biceps so large that he can't carry the ball properly? Yeah, that was uh famous. I don't know if it was famous. I remember saying it with all my college buddies all the time. They'd be like, John Gruden. Said Michael Pittman has one hell of a bicep muscle. Mm. That's how he described. Well, that was it. So that his, was it. yeah, his thing was people used to say that his biceps were so big that he couldn't properly carry the football. You can't were, get that four points of contact. They were messing up the five points of contact. Big. One of them was not where it should be because of the bicep pushing the ball out of the He'd way. Never play for Mariucci. No. What was I saying before? This whole thing got interrupted. What? So just wrapping it up. I think so. Oh, All right. That'll one do. guy we didn't mention. Yeah. Chenault. I, would, I, I went into detail about Chenault. No, you, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, you were, you were talking to the Patriots guy. No way that happened. Can we, can we replay this? No. Can no we way replay? Just can we go happen. to the film? Do you want me to do the whole thing again? He's a big guy. He's used as an offensive weapon. He's good after the catch. He's Cordero Patterson, whose name I mentioned like uh, three times. And yeah. Yeah. I thought you were still talking about Higgins. Nope. That was Chenault. Okay. Um, do you have Chenault's takes? No. K.J. Hamler's coming out, though. And I love K.J. Hamler. Oh, God. 
He was a guy. Am I just going to hear about your list of five players that you made three years ago? Yeah. When I did a Penn State versus Michigan game a few years ago. Week think, one, 2018. Yeah. KJ Hamler's first well, ever game, I think. No, maybe it was 2017. One of his first games. Anyway, he was, he was a true freshman and made an absurd play on a kick return. Yeah, yeah. Where he like hurtled through a closing gap, made a big play. Well, that was 17. You used to always ask me, who's this guy? Like, we'd be grading games right. on a... You know, on a, a night game or whatever, you'd be like, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Wrote the guy's name down the corner of my whiteboard in my office. It was like, this This dude's a stud. And it turns out he's amazing. And so he's coming number one? Now. No, it's not. Look, Judy is my number one. The end. Other people I might like, but Judy is the best receiver in this draft. Let's go, t- let's go tell Renner to flip Judy and uh, C.D. Lamb. The point is that K.J. Hamler is really good and he's fast as hell and we should all be praising him. All right. Praise Ken, uh Hamler. Praise be to KJ Hamler. There is a lot of speed and shiftiness and just playmakers in this draft. Uh, one guy, Jarvis Juice, says Chenault's more like a young Larry Fitzgerald. That is the guy that I thought of by the way he catches the ball, catches the ball in traffic, size, various things like that. Um, so there's some some comparisons there with Chenault and Larry. So there you have it. That'll do it for us today. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Anything else we missed? I'm sure we missed a lot of things, but this is an overview. So we'll it's an overview. The draft we'll is in April, more. Steve. We've got some more time. We'll here. have much more on the draft. Which position group do you guys want us to watch next? We'll be grinding film from now until the draft, getting you guys ready. We'll be back on Monday morning. No games to review. We'll talk a little free agency, a little bit more draft, a little Chris Harris interview where I tell Chris Harris where he's going to sign. Hmm. I wonder if he listens. Think he'll listen? I don't know. Well, we, we were looking for a percentage, right? So maybe if you actually tell them where to sign, we can lose another string in our, that's another point in our favor in terms of getting yeah, a slice. A, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's throw, what I'm throw a percentage this way, Chris. No, we can't say that. That makes us sound biased, which we're not. Oh yeah. Taking cash for grades. Yeah. Can't be doing that. No, we would never, never, never been done. <laughs> I mean, you make that sound a little less sort of like jokey because it Oh, has, I'm serious. It obviously, it's, it's never been done. Why would we? There's too much credibility on the line right. for us to do that. All 32 teams. Here's the thing. We sense the entire database to teams. Yeah. So if we give a guy a plus one and they click on it, it better be a good play. Yeah. If we give them a minus one, it better be a bad play. Mm-hmm. And that's why I care about every last grade because of that. I don't want a team to click on a play and be like, you said this was a good block and it's bad. Right. Particularly, or it's neutral or it's whatever. Particularly because a lot of the times they are looking for reasons to distrust this kind of stuff. Yeah, of right? course. So if the thing is wrong and that's the one they click on, we work just very, undone months of work. Work very hard to make that thing consistent. So. so there you have it. That'll do it for us this week. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday morning. A little bit more off-season discussion. We're out. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. 
It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.